All right, so we're starting a series. And the title of this series, and I can't tell you if it's going to be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I'm not sure how long it's going to be. But the title of this series is this, Room for Growth. Room for Growth. Now, I want your permission for a minute. I am asking for your permission to preach to myself. See, I, I, I want us to understand something. Unfortunately, we tend to put leaders on pedestals. Please take me off if you have me on one. I'm a man just like you. And I have room for growth. I can grow as a husband. I can grow as a parent. I can grow as a pastor. I can grow as a friend. I have room for growth. And as I've been reading the word and when we read the Bible, God shows us. It's like looking into a mirror. We look at the things in our lives that God says, I'm not pleased with that and I want to change it. And sometimes in our stubbornness, in our, in our we're not as bad as other people, we start to think we've got it somewhat figured out. But here's the reality. You and I have room for growth. So, so I'm going to say it this way. I have not attained it, and I have room for growth. And I want you to say it this morning. I have not attained it. I have room for growth. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I have not attained it. I have room for growth. Here's the reality. We have room to grow. Every one of us has room to grow. Look what the Bible says in the book of Philippians. I want you to go to Philippians. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, right? This is Paul writing to them. And he says this in chapter number three, starting in verse number 12. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12. This is what Paul writes. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, who was a person who before he was converted to Jesus, right, to Christianity as we would call it, before he has an encounter with Jesus, he was going around persecuting those who believed in Jesus and killing them. Now, he has a radical encounter with God. The Bible says that in the midst of the day, during the time when the sun is out, a bright line shone on him on his way to Damascus. He encountered Jesus and God changes his life. He begins immediately to preach the gospel and he is being transformed and he's now telling everybody, I haven't attained it. I haven't reached it. At the beginning of the chapter, he talks a little bit about how we find faith and righteousness. And then he says, listen, if it was by our righteousness, if it was by our acts, I'd be ahead of everybody. I was circumcised when I was little. I studied in this. I did. I, 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 I. But this is what he gets and says, I haven't attained it. I need Jesus. And I tell you this morning as your pastor, I have not attained it. There's areas in my life where... If I do not surrender them to God, I suck. I can have a bad attitude. I got a temper. I can lose it real quick. I'm very quick-witted, and that could come across very mean. 
I say I'm sorry a heck of a whole lot. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. And what happens is that many times we come to Jesus and we feel like, oh, he already, you know, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven if I die. But what about all the things in our lives that still need correcting? Look at, let's go to what Jesus said. Watch. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew chapter number seven. Jesus, this is during the Sermon on the Mount. Look at what he says, starting in verse one. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I'll go to verse one in a little bit to talk about judging. That's not where we're gonna start. I want us to focus on what Jesus said there. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but to not notice the log that's in your own eye. If you're taking notes, write it down this way. This is how I put it up. It said, we tend to look for and find the fault in everything and everyone. We tend to look for and find the fault in everything and everyone. As I was preparing, and I, 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 the way I study, I have a legal pad. I write notes on it or whatever until I find the, way, the words I feel the Lord wants me to craft it in. One of the ways I wrote it down was this. We are conditioned to look for and find the fault. Think about it even as children. On even restaurant menus, they'll have two pictures side by side, and it'll say, What's wrong with this one? Can you spot the difference? As parents, we'll look at our children and be like, what did you just do? We're, we're constantly even programming as to what is the wrong. Find the wrong. Find the fault. Have you looked at yourself in a mirror? Have you seen that out? Like, that's the conditioning. And we bring that into our relationship with God. And we look at fellow believers. As a matter of fact, you know what? I, I don't want to look around right now. Watch. Some of you in this room, when I said, I have room for growth, and this is what we're going to talk about, your immediate was reaction was, oh, if so-and-so was here to hear this message today. <laughs> your immediate reaction was to think about what someone else needed to change. Because we tend to think we've got to figure it out. No, we don't. And when we don't realize that we need to grow, we so just point the finger and blame everybody else. We're having issues in our relationships, marriage with our children, with our grandchildren, with our boss, with our coworker, because we only look at what they need to change. We only focus on what they do wrong. And we don't realize they move my stick. We don't realize we got a big old log sticking out of our eye. 
Watch. So, so I come over here. Heidel, stand up for a second. And he's got a little speck in his eye. And I'm like, hey, let me help you. And I'm three feet away. And you know what I could do? Pluck out his eyeball. And it's what we're doing as believers in the name of God and Jesus. I just want to tell you what's wrong with your life. Bro, fix your own first. And not you fix it. Acknowledge to God that you need some fixing. It's part of what's wrong with us. Hey, I, I told you I was going to be honest. I'm preaching to myself, right? Why? Because, see, I'm in a position of authority at 3W Church. So many of you come for counsel asking me to point out what's wrong. And if I'm not careful, and if I'm not humble, and if I'm not praying constantly, Lord, fix me, change me, and mold me, I can become judgmental. Y'all gave me permission to be honest, right? And this is what's wrong with, our, with the body of Christ sometimes. And Jesus said it. You're walking around with a log sticking out of your eye and trying to point out the fault in everyone else. We tend, we tend to find what's wrong. And here's the reality. If you look for what's wrong, you'll find it. I'm going to be honest. 3W Church is not a perfect church. You know why? I'm not a perfect man, and I never will be. Our leaders are not perfect. Our small group leaders are not perfect. Our volunteers are not perfect. Newsflash, you ain't either. So I, I heard this story recently of a, of a lady that went to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. So the pastor said, why are you leaving the church? And they said, well, because I can't get what I need there. I, I look around and people are on their phone. People are talking. People get there late. They're not worshiping. And she's pointing out a whole list of things. So the pastor says, okay, look, I, I understand you. But this is what I want you to do. Next Sunday, when service starts, I'm going to give you this glass of water. And I want you to just walk around the sanctuary in circles, holding the glass of water, ensuring that you don't spill not one drop. So sir, she said, okay, pastor, you want me to try it? I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay, I'll come. So she comes the following Sunday, service goes to start, pastor looks for her, gives her this glass of water, and she begins to walk around the church with the glass of water. At one point, he stops her and says, hey, so, so how many people got here late today? How many people were on their phones today? Hey, how many people were not worshiping? She said, pastor, I have no idea. I was focused on not dropping a drop of water. And he says, if you only focus on the people, you're never going to get out of God what you're supposed to be looking for. So what happens when we come in and just focus on everyone else? If you're looking for fault, you're going to find it. Just ask my wife. She's got a list problem. I'm not perfect. And I know that. And I own it. I need you. I have room to grow. Because here's the other part of it, and I wrote it down this way. Not just do we tend to, to find the fault, but we tend to want to help others while ignoring our stuff. And notice I put it in quotations. We tend to want to help others while ignoring our stuff. That, should, that's, 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 that just shouldn't work. 
It doesn't work. It does not work. What do we need to do? We must surrender fully to God. Surrender fully to God so that he can work in us and take care of our stuff. I was reading in Second Chronicles chapter 25. is the story of King Amaziah. Weird names. When you read Chronicles and Kings, there's some really weird names in there. But King Amaziah, it's really interesting. You know what? I actually don't want to butcher it. I want to say it the same exact way he says it because I think I butchered it in first service. Look what he says. You don't have to look it up. I'm just reading it to you. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse number 2. He says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. Notice what it writes about King Amaziah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, comma, yet not with a whole heart. Did you know you and I can be living for God, not wholeheartedly? See, that's when we're walking around with logs in our eyes and trying to find the specks in everybody else. We're, 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 we're like looking to see, I, 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 I'm better. I, I, I got this. There's another king that it talks about that he was doing what was right before God. It actually says that he set his heart to follow God, to pursue God. And you know what the Bible says happened? As he pursued God, well, every time he pursued God, he had success. And then you know what happened? It says this, he grew strong and pride set in. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We, we get saved. We get radically saved, transformed. God starts to do a work in us, but then somewhere along the line, we stop. letting him work in us, and we start just pointing at everybody else. I was talking to somebody recently, and uh, this person's working out, and the muscles, and they're getting big, and, and, and it was interesting to me, this is what was interesting to me, they said, I'm trying to get to the size I used to be. Notice, they said, I'm trying to get to the size I used to be. So if you don't know anything about anatomy and muscles, let me, let me just briefly teach you something. When you work out a muscle, it gets bigger. But when you stop working out the muscle, it begins to shrivel. And many of us come to God and we begin to work out our faith and we begin to get strong. And then we stop doing what got us there. We stop working out. We stop praying. We stop fasting. We stop reading the Bible. Why? Because we prayed for the blessing and God gave it to us, and now we're too busy. Because we asked God to do something, and he did it, and now I don't have time. And those muscles begin to atrophy and weaken. And that's where many of us in the body of Christ, we get, we, we go one day, two day, three day, four day, and before you know it, the only time we're getting fed is if and when we come to church, if and when we listen to a message, or we spend so much time only listening to preachers on YouTube and, and, and on their websites and their stuff, and no time reading the word of God himself to us. 
And so we begin to live our lives based on what other people are saying instead of saying, God, show me the mirror of your word and what are the things in my life that I have room to grow in. Because if we're honest, we all have room for growth. Every single one of us. I'm being honest. I don't have it all figured out. And neither do you. It's kind of why we need Jesus. If we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. If we could do it on our own, God wouldn't have sacrificed his only begotten son. We need it. And we need to strip away the things that make us think we've got it all figured out. You know, my background is in education. That's what I went to college for. That's what I did professionally before I went into ministry full-time. I taught in Dade County Public Schools. I went on in my career to work for Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, providing professional development to teachers. My area of expertise was to go into a classroom, teach the class, to teach the teacher how to manage the class better and use their technology. That was my area of expertise. So I was in a different classroom across the city and other parts of the country at different times every day. And something that I have found many times in colleagues is that they compare their students to their own kids at home. That's not a good thing. Because let me tell you what I've seen many times. And teachers in here might be able to attest to that. You have a teacher that's working with a particularly difficult class, particularly difficult student or students. And they get home and they say, oh, Johnny's not that bad. You should see what I deal with at work. And so they start comparing the misbehavior, the not ability to perform or whatever it is with the kid they had in their class. They bring it home and they don't then correct what needs to be corrected because they're comparing it to a bad standard. we don't pursue God and allow him to fix and change things in us, we start comparing, not realizing that our standard wasn't good to begin with. We need fixing. We need help. So I ask the question, what logs do we have? What logs do we have? I made a list. I asked, what are the logs in our eyes that need removal? And I I started writing down, where do I have some room for growth? And I realized, you know, I got room for growth in love. Sometimes I don't love the way I should. In compassion. Sometimes I don't have compassion the way I should have compassion. I'm just being honest. Somebody, I, sometimes I struggle with empathy and necessarily putting myself in somebody else's shoes. Sometimes I struggle with Fulfilling the Great Commission and evangelizing everywhere I go and telling everybody I have an opportunity about Jesus. Uh, sometimes I struggle with really just spending time in prayer. Sometimes I struggle with attitude. Sometimes I struggle with positivity. I just see the negative in everything, everything wrong that's happening. And here's the reality. Those are just some of the slew of areas that in Pastor David, there's room for growth. 
And so the question that I have for us this morning, worship team, start coming to the altar. I'm not preaching long. This is, this is a, I, I forgot to do it. I, was, I, I had it to do it. I forgot. I, in first service, I even started in saying, put on your seatbelts because this, this is going to be rough. We have room for growth. And if we're honest with ourselves and with God, sometimes we come to him, but we're comfortable with the stuff. I'm okay with getting to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Oh, I, I, I asked Jesus to come to my heart. If I die today, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, but what about all the other stuff? What about the attitude? What about the arrogance and the pride? What about the hurts that we don't want to let go of? What about the traumas that we just hold on to as baggage and then use it as a crutch to blame everybody by everything is happening? What about the distrust? What about all of those things that are logs in our eyes? Because Jesus didn't die just for your salvation. He died so that you might have freedom. He died so that we would have deliverance. He died so that we would have peace. He died so that we would know we're not alone. We're not abandoned. We have not been nor will we be abandoned by him. He died to pay the price for all of that. So the question is, what logs are we carrying while we look at the speck in everybody else? Can I tell you if as Christians, we truly allowed God to remove our logs, more would get saved more relationships would be restored. More breakthroughs would happen. But it's coming to a place where we can look and say, yep, that's me. I got room for growth. Oh, does your wife have room for growth? Absolutely. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we surrender our struggles to God. And because of that, we can talk to each other. When perhaps I had a bad day and so my attitude is not very good and I, and I answer in a way I shouldn't to one of my girls, she, she might pull me to the side and say, hey, did you realize? Or I'll look at her from a distance sometimes and, and this is what I, I'll look at her and I'll go, means turn the volume down because maybe she was busy with an email and a problem and a thing and one of the girls asked something and she quipped back right like we can talk to each other because we realize we are in need of a savior we can realize we're not perfect we've got room for growth and as we both ask God to remove logs from our eyes we can grow in our relationship then we can truly bless people because notice what Jesus said let the log come out so that you can see clearly and then help but sometimes in our wanting to help we're knocking people out with our log not today today I'm looking and I'm saying God I need you I got a forest of logs God Take him out so I can clearly see and then do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, 
Come on, let's stand to our feet and we're gonna enter a time of worship and my prayer for you is this, that you would be honest enough to ask God to show you the logs in your life and that you and I would be humble enough to say, God, help me overcome. God, remove these logs so that I can see clearly. God, help me see myself clearly. Lord, as I read scripture, as I spend time in worship, as I spend time with you, show me, reveal to me the areas in my life that have room for growth. God, help me focus on that. Before I pass judgment on somebody, before I point a finger, before I make a decision, whether favorable or unfavorable, see, that's what that word judge means. When Jesus said, don't judge that you not be judged because the same measure, see, the same hardness which, which you and I use on people, it's used on us as no matter why we're not growing in him. So can you be honest with God this morning and tell him, help me grow? Can you ask him to show you what are the logs? And can we get rid of the pride and honestly say, God, remove these logs from my life. In Jesus' name.